What's the future of entertainment and technology in the car? What was really upsetting me and why I wrote what I wrote is because the broadcast radio industry does not have an advocate. Not even the NAB is properly advocating on behalf of radio. This is truly a nightmare scenario. That's Roger Lankto, Director of Automotive Connected Mobility for Strategy Analytics, part of Tech Insights. And this is Talking the Drive, where the people who create what's next for the car reimagine what's possible. I'm John McLeod Rivet, CEO, and joining Roger and me is Cindy Pulaskis, Rivet President. Today, we'll take a deep dive into the intersection of listening and location. Roger, last month, you wrote about whether it was time for the automakers to rescue radio. What compelled you to write the story, and what has been the reaction? There was a bit of an explosive response, and uh, the NAB took great exception to my characterization of their response to this technology, which allows for regionalization of broadcasts which would allow for, say, for example, political advertising, a big source of revenue at this time of year, certainly for broadcasters. So if you're running for governor in Maryland, you wouldn't have to broadcast your ads to Washington, D.C. or Virginia. You could tune your signal with this uh, technology. And the technology is being opposed by certain powerful influencers or maybe one or two influencers in the industry who are intimidating broadcasters, advertisers, and the NAB from advocating this technology and this concept. It's an unfortunate circumstance. And actually, I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to wade back in and respond because the NAB did respond to my characterization because what has happened is the FCC is uh, in the process of you know making a decision. So they have requested comment and there have been a range of comments, which I would encourage anybody who's interested in this topic to go and explore at the FCC website. There's been research done And some of it has been, shall we say, a little bit skewed, and some of it has been old, and some of it has been misleading. The way I think it might be best to think about this concept of zone casting, instead of selling the whole pizza, selling slices. And I think we all understand you could probably make more money selling slices than selling the whole damn pizza. Yes, that was exactly the article I was referencing. And the reason why it's interesting for us is we're all about delivering targeted contextual content to people while they're on the go. And location is one of the big differentiators, we think, for what can happen in the car. And your article brought up a whole bunch of questions. You know, the first question was, why would the industry and the NAB not support more aggressive targeting that could really enhance the value of the content and the the value of, of radio? And the second question, which is maybe a bit rhetorical, but why would the car companies want to save radio when they really don't participate significantly in the cut of the radio pie? They do get a cut of the Sirius XM pie, but they don't participate in the XM in the AM FM pie. The automotive industry, as I indicated before, is using radio for all kinds of automobile advertising to sell cars and automobile insurance and uh, other kinds of messaging. Also, the car is a unique content consumption environment where you're seat belted in and you're moving about. And actually one of the attractions of Sirius XM was that it could provide a consistent signal no matter where you were driving. So it is possible to drive out of a coverage zone for the radio station that you prefer. But the point is that radio station that you prefer probably has all the relevant information you want about 
traffic, weather, local news, alerts and warnings, emergency communications, very focused and in such a way that no other content platform has been able to replicate fundamentally. And in most instances, maybe not all, but in most, there is someone live on the air communicating with you and telling you as you're driving what's going on. Now with the zone casting, then you could get, if you will, hyper-relevant traffic and weather information. So you're not driving on you know, the Virginia side of Washington, D.C., in my case, and getting news about the Beltway in Maryland. You're only getting traffic information that, that's relevant to you. So there have been a lot of organizations that have tried to deliver a location-relevant solution for content delivery in the car, including entertainment as well as uh, you know infotainment in a comparable way to the, what the radio does, but none have been successful and all have fallen by the wayside. There just is nothing like radio. And for the auto industry to give up on radio would be giving away some really core DNA around the driving experience. I think the industry understands that it would be a huge mistake to, to just cast radio aside, uh, recognizing that delivering a radio experience in a car is not a simple proposition. Receiving those signals, you know, we've heard all about diversity antennas and getting those signals clearly in a very challenging RF environment, which has only been complicated by electrification, as we all know, unfortunately impacting AM in some instances. It takes a lot of effort. And even more now that, as I say, we have this screen real estate before us in the industry in that central dash position. You know, what are you going to do with that? Well, it's a huge opportunity to communicate more contextual information, actually. It seems like a huge opportunity also for the automakers to differentiate from a brand in terms of how one automaker is presenting both visually and audially the content versus another. And it's something that, as you said, it doesn't seem quite as differentiated an experience as it could be. I don't know how the automakers could do more to incorporate the radio experience into the different brands that they offer to listeners or drivers? Well, where we're at right now is when you get into a car, you are completely at sea when you start the car up. The dashboard is like a box of chocolates, right? <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. And some of the Germans have recognized this and taken a little bit more control and responsibility. But I think there's a recognition that uh, when you get in the car, what you want on the dash is information and your, your preferred content, and the radio is the logical default. That's not the experience in every car, and every automaker is on a different path and a different trajectory in terms of exhibiting what their philosophy is around the radio and content management. Actually, zone casting and some of the technologies that are being talked about with radio would enable more unique tagging or direct interaction through the radio stream uh, and the metadata uh, connections uh, in the car. So that's some bleeding edge stuff that's that's on the table and possible, but uh, not much of that has actually made it into cars quite yet. But I think it's on the horizon. I think people increasingly are going to be looking for a more engaging experience without driver distraction. We're going to mitigate for driver distraction. Don't get me wrong. Roger, when you said right now, when you get in a car, it's kind of like having a box of chocolates and you reach in and you don't know what you're going to get. That seems like a very kind 
interpretation of what the reality is right now. I feel like we almost want to get more to where it's a box of chocolates where you know whatever you get is going to surprise and let you, you're just not sure what flavor it's going to be. And right now what you're reaching into is, is it, it's a trick or treat bag. You know, you just don't know if it's going to be, maybe I'm being influenced because Halloween's coming up, but I'm just like, it is not a box of chocolates. You took it in exactly the correct direction. Yeah, it isn't Forrest Gump. It's more like uh, Friday the 13th right. uh, because you can't find the radio station. It is more like Halloween. Exactly. It's scary. Where is the radio station? I literally had a moment when I took my delivery of my 2022 BMW X3 and I could not access the FM station. It passed. The car finally sorted itself out and figured out, oh, oh, FM you want, you know, but literally for about, you know, a day, I couldn't get FM and I thought it's happened. It's finally happened. I'm embarrassed to admit I've had my car for 18 months and once it switches to Apple CarPlay and I've listened to my podcast and I want to go back and listen to radio, I don't know how to do it unless I unplug my phone. Oh, oh, uh, Apple uh, CarPlay completely takes over whether you want it to or not. I'm like, I just want my FM station. Oh, and by the way, Apple is no friend of the broadcast radio industry. I don't think we've forgotten that Apple refused to turn on the FM chip. Thank you very much. And no good reason for them not. I could see the carriers not wanting. Well, even the carriers. Yeah, no, the carriers would not want the FM chip on. They would want you to stream. But what was Apple's motivation? None. No, no reason. So yes, it's more Friday the 13th than Forrest Gump in the dashboard these days. I just wanted to kind of emphasize that from a user perspective, like, you know, we've talked a lot about advertisers or automobile, all this, but I think the end of the day, it's we're not trying to solve a problem just on the business side. We're actually trying to solve a problem for the end customer, right? The people driving the car, the experience. What was really upsetting me and why I wrote what I wrote is because the broadcast radio industry does not have an advocate. Not even the NAB is properly advocating on behalf of radio. This is truly a nightmare scenario. It seems like thinking about what people want, having that super local, hyper local advertising would be much more tolerable by end users. I mean, as a driver, I would much, I'm much more open to advertisements that are directed directly towards me and contextually where I am is something that I would be much more open to hearing about versus advertisements that aren't. Yeah. Getting an offer for a particular McDonald's that may be in my vicinity, or I don't know, could, could be Bed Bath & Beyond, Kohl's, whatever. Just getting messages that are you know, really relevant, I think would be a, you know, a really delightful experience in the car. There are so many moments where you're driving and, you know, weather's changing or something's going on to understand what's going on around you, not what's going on in a, you know, 50 mile radius of, of where you are, it would be much more impressive and, and, and meaningful. And only radio really is capable of delivering that experience. Now, maybe Waze gives you some hyperlocal stuff, but with Waze, you're, what you're talking about is not really curated, it's crowdsourced, and there's a difference. Generally speaking, automotive engineers are not big fans of crowdsourced. Curated, yes. It seems like, John, that's where you were talking about the value the automakers add to the equation is is being a channel for that hyperlocal and where they could actually start participating economically in this right. ecosystem. Going back in history, before uh, Cindy and I started Rivet, which we fully focus on really streaming of content and data, uh, you know, through audio and, and video now as well, Rivet does video. At Navtech, we 
provided the traffic data through initially XM series satellite radio and then through the RDS sideband. And we were very aggressive in testing the way to deliver hyperlocal advertising. And in fact, we developed a technology and a patent to deliver advertising via the RDS sideband using the uh, traffic codes. And it was launched on Garmin P&Ds, was not very successful for a couple of reasons, one of which there was no real advertiser marker to support it. But the other issue is that- I think I, I, think I had one of those Garmin devices. And yeah, remember well that, when they had uh, Twitter integrated as well? Yeah. But the other problem that we learned later at, at Rivet is, of course, the other value of streaming versus broadcast is the ability to measure the actual clicks and usage on the on the devices. We found trying to push a lot of hyper-local content through broadcast became very limiting from how much you could target, and it was even more limiting in how much you could measure uh, uh, the response, which is part of the reason, frankly, we moved to streaming. Streaming's been out there a long time. NPR in August just reported that video streaming finally is bigger than cable and, and broadcast uh, for, you know, for TV. Took a long time, but it got there. And this whole idea of being able to get one-to-one content versus one-to-many, I think it's what people want. And I think they're going to want it in the car. I think zone casting is relevant in that conversation. I didn't totally answer the question that Cindy had on, on what the revenue opportunity is. And there there are some organizations, for example, uh, Drive Time Metrics, that are trying to create the Nielsen equivalent measurement tools that would provide for in their funding model, a kickback to the automakers for participating in, in that, that value proposition. Automakers have been, and, and their suppliers, have been trying to build and prove out the idea of targeted offers that lead to a certain behavior. And you'd have a unique ability to, to measure that because you'd be reaching someone in a vehicle, then you could see whether they went to that destination that relevant to that offer, or maybe even they responded in live in the vehicle, in a, again, in a distraction mitigated fashion uh, to an offer of some kind and then proceeded to take advantage of that offer. And actually the, the wider retail and restaurant environment today is better prepared to take advantage of, of those opportunities than it has ever been before. And again, measurement is key. You can't have radio advertising without measurement. And for some reason, in spite of the fact that better than 50% of listening to radio is occurring in the car. Nielsen Media has not found a means to measure in-car listening. So there's a massive black hole in the middle of Nielsen's data that no one has yet filled, although Drive Time Metrics is trying. The challenge, of course, for Drive Time Metrics is they have to go to each OEM one at a time to get them to buy into this. And of course, advertisers don't want to know what Chevy drivers are you know, listening to in their car. They want to know what all drivers are listening to. That is the challenge. But it's an amazing opportunity because I think the word we're talking about here, John, is attribution, attributing a behavior to a stimulus of some kind. But I don't think just anything would be close to the automotive opportunity. It's just out there. An hour a day in the car, 350 million hours a day, people sitting in the car. And those people are not effectively served. I don't know if you know this, but I started my career as a Disney Imagineer building Disney theme parks. And 
we had whole divisions that were ride engineers and ride designers. And when you got into that ride, it was all about how do you engage the person while they're, while they're on the ride. And I think that's the opportunity for the car companies. I go back to streaming. I, I love broadcast. I love satellite. I've worked a lot with them, but they're very limiting in terms of the ability to deliver a personal one-on-one experience. And in earlier episodes of Talking to Drive, there's been a, a lot of conversation about what would happen if you truly had full connectivity in the car. I mean, not just the hardware, but actually the full data plan and the full service. I know it's coming, but it's not there because it's expensive. But the benefits of that are just phenomenal from a being able to reach people one-to-one, whether it's streaming of podcasts or music or navigation or advertising. There's a few thoughts that that your comments stimulate. Number one, I want to point out that um, Toyota just announced that for most of their 2023 vehicles model year, they'll include 10 years of free connectivity. That's a game-changing proposition. That includes automatic crash notification, which is a first in the industry that automatic crash notification is included free should have always been with OnStar. They still haven't stepped up to the bar in that respect. That solution includes over-the-air software updates. Now, you have Tesla, which to my understanding, the average Tesla owner driver is paying $10 a month basically to ensure they get those software updates. But they're also getting the other enhanced functionality like a connected map, a hybrid navigation experience. But they're not delivering the kind of contextual experience you're talking about. I just took delivery of a Hyundai Ioniq 5, and I'm getting constant alerts as I'm driving, mostly, uh, as you might imagine, safety-related. In fact, I was very pleased just this weekend while driving to get warnings of speed cameras, which was a first for me from the embedded navigation system. But also, it's guiding me to stay in the lane and everything. So the cars are becoming more intelligent from a safety perspective, and it only makes sense that they become more intelligent from an infotainment perspective and more in, engaged uh, and interactive. You know, I think people get a funny idea about Tesla and the failings of autopilot. The reality of all of autopilot is that it's requiring the driver to be engaged. So people hear autopilot and they think it's a lean back proposition. It's actually a lean forward proposition because it's constantly asking for help or calling for you to pay attention, even though it's not quite super cruise, which actually really requires that you pay attention. That's the other data point, which is super cruise. If you want super cruise so you can take your hands off the wheel when you're highway driving, you need an OnStar subscription. So, and all of this is correlated with what's sweeping the industry which is what we've all heard so much about, the software-defined car. So cars are increasingly defined by software, which need to, needs to be secured and updated. So you have to have that connection. And Toyota finally realizes that with this 10-year free trial, recognizing that the value of that connection is probably more for Toyota even than it is for the consumer. If they can understand how the car is being used, how they're functioning, anticipating problems, that has huge value to retaining those customers. And retaining customers is a multi-million dollar value proposition in and of itself. I want to go back to the Hyundai example, which is the fact that in your embedded experience, now always connected along your drive without even asking, it's telling you what's around you. 
In earlier episodes, we have talked about a new streaming service that marries, really marries location and a new media streaming. Audio first, but with images and texts and graphics. Location though, car data is the magic that keeps the drivers and passengers always engaged and always connected. And so the idea is to deliver a embedded consumer experience that's smarter than radio and navigation systems, but is easier and more enjoyable than apps and other infotainment systems. And uh, I think with the car really becoming connected and with the power of streaming, with the targeting both ways to get to the driver and to pull out their attributes or behavior, it seems like that's just naturally where, where things are going to go. I realize it's really complicated to get there, but it just seems like it's, that's where it will end up, hopefully in our lifetime. Uh, I think so. I mean, uh, unfortunately, there's an infinity ad that's sort of disappointing that this woman comes out and talks about how wicked cool her uh, big uh, infinity SUV is. And she gets in and she points to the dash and says, talks about how sparkling the, the display is and the content there, and all it is is icons from uh, Apple CarPlay or Android Auto or something. It's like, what? You've got to be kidding me. This is not a unique, customized, contextual experience. This is apps on a screen. This is an app store. And uh, it's it's the disconnect there um, is a little disappointing, um, and especially if you've if you've had a look at what what uh, Daimler's doing with the EQ series, just amazing content uh, platform, uh, you know, a carousel of, of radio stations or content that you can flip through. Uh, again, distraction mitigated, um, but contextually aware and um, so much more uh, engaging and um, uh, actually, you know, kind of exciting. Uh you know, it's kind of a shame if you're if you're out there and, and you're not exploring the you know what's what's you know the world of the possible in the dashboard. We absolutely do not want to leave that all to Apple and Google. We've talked about uh, sort of who are the players that could, can make this new streaming location world possible. One of the benefits of being able to really capture that for the car companies is the opportunity to create something that is much better than Apple and Google in the car because even though Apple and Google CarPlay's and Android Autos help sell cars. People really don't use them that much for consuming of content. You'll pull it up for a map. You might play Spotify, but when, you know it's one of the reasons why AM/FM is still dominant is because it's so simple to use. It's right there, and it's part of the car DNA. I think we need to come up with something that's smart but part of the car DNA. When you say that, the thought that comes to my mind is uh, it, it takes a village. You know, there's not just one company trying to solve this. Some automakers are trying to do it in-house. Some are working with their tier one suppliers. Companies uh, that come to mind are companies like Telenav or Xperi, but they're obviously working with the, you know, the Panasonics and Bosch's and Continentals of the world to render these systems. And then there's other players still trying to deliver enhanced uh, traffic experiences course, we have new challenges. You know, when you talk about contextual information, we're on this path to electrification. 
I need to know where the charging stations are and whether they're functioning and available and whether they're compatible with my car. So we have a need for more contextual information than we've ever needed before. So the, the demands are greater uh, on the automakers than they've ever been before. But it's opportunity to create engaging, unique experiences. And, and the, the next one is, and we've alluded to it several times, that sort of in-vehicle e-commerce or you know, v-commerce, I guess you want to call it that, uh, where there are things you need and uh, the car can help you get those things in a timely fashion. These platforms are being built and optimized and distraction mitigated to deliver a, a delightful experience. And oh, by the way, these interactive systems that are alerting drivers and, and in some instances re requiring a response from the driver, like in the case of Tesla Autopilot, like I was saying, it actually, actually is causing and helping the driver to be more alert, to be paying more attention to the driving task. Again, it's more relevant information. It's more interesting. It seems to me that there is no natural player who sits in a position to pull all of this together because you have people coming from lots of different perspectives. And what we're talking about, I oh, think... Okay, okay, John, forgive me. I should have added here and Tom, Tom, of course, forgive me. Sure, of course. <laughs> exactly. There is a sort of a service provider role that it needs to come together. Somebody needs to step up, you know, because it's, it's not the car companies because the car companies, they have lots of other things they're trying to solve and there are so many of them, but there's the opportunity for a service provider, kind of similar to what Sirius XM did with satellite radio, but a service provider to come in. And this notion of marrying the location and the, I call it a new multimedia because it's audio, but it's a lot of data, it's a lot of information, it's a lot of alerts. And Cindy and I have worked on sort of an automotive media data format concept of, of the need to come up with some kind of data format, consistent data format, so that people who create content for this new world and also who consume it on the other end, so there's a consistent way to create it. It's very similar in concept to the map GDF, the geographic data format that helped you know, create the, the whole navigation business, the traffic codes that helped put traffic on the map. And so this idea of an automotive media data format is something that we think is necessary. And as you talk about the broadcast metadata and all that stuff, it's all the more reason that we need to think of this from a service perspective, but we also need to think about it from a data perspective. Yeah. So we're moving into a world of edge computing. Uh, so you have uh, organizations like uh, Nexar that are building edge computing solutions around really safety related contextual information, you know, uh, roadworks, parking spaces, road obstructions, uh, things of this nature, maybe even uh, speed limits and, and other kind of information that, that changes a little bit more frequently than people realize. But a content management edge solution, yeah, I, I, I think there's absolutely a, a role for that to be played. I, I think Xperia is playing part of that role right now, uh, providing you know the metadata uh, infrastructure. But I think some of the opportunities we're talking about create an opening for a, a different kind of conversation. And you're right, the automakers can't run that show. It doesn't make any sense. I'd say it, it's an unsolved problem, an opportunity to redefine that experience. 
Our guests on Talking the Drive have been Roger Langto and Cindy Pulaskis. I'm John McLeod, and I welcome your thoughts. Drop me a line at drive, D-R-I-V-E, at rivet360.com. Talking the Drive is produced by Rivet360, a technology and production company that's excited about what's next for people, places, and things. <laughs>